Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. There's a lot that happens here that we're pulling together. Let's just put our hands together for all those who are serving this morning as well. And also for our staff team, your incredible staff team, I'm clapping for you. You're so, so, such a great crew of people that we do uh, life with here at Thrive. And I just want to do another celebration, um, really just take a moment uh, to celebrate the increase in our finances here at Thrive this year. Uh, Since June, we've um, just seen a lift in your regular faithful giving into this church and we kind of look at it going like oh is this gonna is this just a bubble or what's going what's going on here but we've really been able to track actually a a a significant increase in giving and so we're just really excited for the faith step and for the maturity that you know you guys are showing as a church to step up in your tithes and offerings um and sowing like it's courageous to give beyond, but actually when you give with Jesus, you can't lose anything. And so we're really excited for um, what we're going to be able to achieve with these extra finances as a church into our community uh, and into the increasing roles of our staff and into, you know, what we've just launched over at the loft. Like God has envisioned, envisioned us with great vision for our community. And we want to we want to achieve that. And a part of this is you guys resourcing the vision. So thank you for your faithfulness, and we can't wait to hear the testimonies that are going to come in from your obedience. Like, honestly, if you've increased in giving, started giving to the church, and you've got a testimony of God's faithfulness, come and talk to us. We'd love to hear about that, because God just doesn't leave us hanging. He is a God of blessing and favor. He is a father to the fatherless. Come on, check that out. He is so, so good. Uh, to us, and so, yeah, we just we are we are a blessed, such a blessed church here. Uh, it's amazing that we've baptized around eighteen people this year, or more. Actually, there's about twenty people I think this year, and we're baptizing more next weekend. And then next weekend we've got a testimony Sunday, so we've got people who are going to be sharing their faith stories. And if you don't have a faith, a great Sunday to come along and actually just hear about God, how God actually outworks his story into our lives. So, Or if you've got a neighbor who's asking questions, bring them along. Another great week for them to hear. Hear the gospel and the good news. Hey, this morning, I'm going to give you part two of a two-week series of called Igniting Hope. We'll call it that, Igniting Hope. Last week, um, I looked into 1 Kings chapter 18, into this incredible, there's like a supernatural showdown between the prophets of Baal and Elijah. And Elijah was the only prophet. The prophets of Baal, there were um, 850 uh, of these prophets And they were, you know, for 400 years, they'd been um, actually killing children as a part of their sacrifice, a part of their worship. You know, they were just like, there was not a cool thing happening in the land, but the people were really, you know, they're just drawn to what was popular. And these guys were obviously popular. There was 800 compared with one man of God. And, And so there's a crowd there that day on the mount. They are watching and they're wondering in this incredible supernatural showdown, like whose God was going to show up. And and what they were waiting for was that there were two offerings that had been created and they were calling down fire from heaven to burn up 
these offerings. This is radical, supernatural kind of event stuff. And, and, and the Bible says that this crowd was watching and then all day long, um, you know, while the, the bell false prophets were trying to do their sacrifice. They were cutting themselves. They were doing everything that they could do to get God's attention. And Elijah the prophet, he's he's ripping on them. He's mocking them. And the Bible even said, maybe your God is busy having a wee-wee. Not literally wee-wee, but it says that he is, you know, maybe he's relieving himself. Maybe he's on holiday. Like, where is he? And so, um, then, then Elijah has his turn, and it says this, it says that when the fire of the Lord fell, this is 1 Kings 18, and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench, when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, He's God, the Lord, He is God. This is a great victory moment. It's one of the most dynamic stories in the Old Testament, and everyone who's watching this spectacle, they they either got saved and went like, yes, your God is God, or if there were a, a prophet of Baal, you got dead. Uh, that's just what happened. But there was this incredible victory that established hope in a region. It, it, it created an atmosphere shift. The, the evil that was happening, all the oppression uh, was eradicated from that that place, but the, the story started out with a region that was dry and was in desperate need of rain. So everyone got saved, everyone got happy, but they were still in a location where there were issues. You know, everyone there was suffering under the drought. You know, if everyone in your family got saved, if everyone in your region Got saved. If everyone in New Zealand got saved, if everyone in the world got saved, like, we would still have issues. <laughs> We're the human race. Hi, I've got issues. Hi, my name's Glenn. I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfect master. I forget stuff, forget people sometimes. I don't like it that I do, but, you know, I just, I'm not perfect. I've got issues if any of my children to ask me you know you, you ask my children they can say dad's got he's got some issues i want to tell you today though that if you've got issues you're not disqualified as a christian you're not disqualified from the family of god you're not disqualified from the holy spirit leading your life and the holy spirit is the counselor He's the comforter. He's the one that leads us into all truth. He wants to help us with our issues. We don't get left as orphans with our issues, but He has provided us a way to deal with our issues. And Is there anyone here who has ever been for a run at least once in your life? Anyone? Yeah, just about most people have attempted to go for a jog. And, and and this happens, I think, especially if you're not that frequent with your jogging, but maybe you've, you've completed half of your run or, or perhaps you're halfway climbing up a mountain and you get the stitch. Oh, that's some painful thing going on like right there. It's always in the same spot. Has anyone even noticed that? Like once a year when I go for a run, Old Stitchy shows up. And 
and we live on um, West Belt, and there's a lot of run, run runners, a lot of runners, a lot of runners run by, and they you know, and, and you can tell those runners who are struggling with the stitch. You just see the stitch face, it's like, oh, you know, it's like, and they're trying to run, but it looks so painful, and you just want to say, just walk, just please stop. It looks, that looks way too painful, and you know, occasionally I am one of those runners uh, with that ugly stitch face on, and and, and, and your brain in that moment is trying to tell you to quit and say, hey, this, this is too painful. Why would you go on? But you've got in mind like the vision of running at least up to the corner of West Belt. You know, I'm going to get you. I'm going to make it. And you push through that pain. And then suddenly it's like a switch, a fl- no, yeah, switch flips. <laughs> Don't try and say that backwards. And it's like a backup generator comes on in your body and it kicks in. And when you're feeling like, like all this pain's there and you're feeling depleted because of that pain, you find your second wind. Has anyone ever found their second wind on a run? And you're like, what was I worrying about? No one. Has anyone ever found your second wind when you're exercising on a run? Some of you. Has anyone ever, no, who cares, let's move on. Um, (laughs) You know, I was flying up to Auckland about a month ago to a New Life conference. Please book your tickets now for that. It's going to be incredible. Thank you for your feedback. Uh, And as we were um, were actually going through turbulence at the time in the flight, and I felt the Holy Spirit just speak to me, and I journaled it down, and and what I heard him say was that I believe the Holy Spirit is releasing a second wind to those who feel like they've hit a wall at this time. He wants to release a second wind to those who are just in in a hard place, a dry place, a painful place perhaps in your life. And he specifically led me to Elijah and the story in 1 Kings 18. And then on Tuesday night this week, I saw an update from a a prophet called Lana Vorsa. And she said, this week I heard the Lord say, here comes your second wind. And I got goosebumps on my goosebumps because I'd already written some of my, my sermon for the week. And I'm like, oh, this is a word for our church. If you look at some of the synonyms of second wind, you have energy burst. You have refreshment, you have rejuvenation, you have renaissance, I love that. You have restored energy, you have restored strength. And she went on to say that when the Lord spoke these words, I knew He was speaking to those who are weary, to those who feel like they're run out of breath, and and, and that those areas that have wearied you, those circumstances that have left you feeling like you're running out of breath, hold on because everything is about to change. Come on. I was like, "That's, that's a word for me. That's a word for our church. That's a word for someone who's got issues here today. I love it says in Isaiah 40, you know, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll rise up on wings like eagles. And I believe this is a word for your out, for your challenges, for your issues, and for the race that you are running. And I believe that you are called to finish what you have started. 
Let's just not settle for the victories that we've seen last year. You know, when we were a teenager, when God touched our hearts and we got old in the process. And like, let's just not, let's just, let's just start believing again that God can do something fresh and victorious in your life. You know, Elijah didn't see the victory over the false prophets as just the end of the story or a platform for his personal significance and greatness as a prophet, you know, it's like, look at me. He saw this as a platform for a drought-ridden region to be refreshed, for the, 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 the kingdom of heaven to be set up so that the breath of heaven could breathe and the rain of heaven could fall over that people. He saw this as a platform for, you know, the one's breakthrough, for somebody, for some farmer who needed some food on his table. And I get it. You know, life is relentless. And it feels like no, no sooner have we uh, like finished one battle than the next one appears. And you know, as a parent, like uh, you know, I've at time, I've just, I've, I've just finished clearing out a, a beautiful lump of congealed hair from the shower drain. Four daughters uh, that shed a lot. Three daughters, three daughters, one wife. Oh yeah, it's not a prophetic word. <laughs> Four daughters. Michaela, she's a Fraser. Yeah, I was thinking, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Do you really want to be? Anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, no sooner have you finished clearing the, the hair out of the drain to get a flush in the toilet, and you discover the toilet's blocked. It's like that's... Sometimes you have a week like that. Sometimes it seems like you have a, a year like that, a chapter of your life that you just go from issue to issue. And it, life is relentless. There are issues. And I want to encourage you to not anchor your life on your circumstances, to not anchor your life on your emotions and and the perspectives of what's going on in your world at this time. I want to encourage you to anchor your life on faith, hope, and love. And and faith is such a nice idea. Faith, hope, and love. It's every church vision statement. It's what we want as a congregation, isn't it? Just to be full of faith, hope, and love. It's, it sounds so good. But it says this in 1 Corinthians 13. There are three things that remain. Faith, hope, and love. They remain there. It's an anchor point to who we are in Christ. Is the expression of our faith and our hope and our love. They're not just nice religious words said at a wedding or something like that. It's not a suggestion. This is a this is a considerable you know point of scripture that we need to anchor who we are and the responses to our circumstances through the filter of faith, hope, and love. And perhaps today to re-engage your second win, to find the second win that you're looking for, you need to re-engage with great hope. We talk a lot about faith and we talk a lot about love, but hope is the thing that is binding faith and love 
together. It's as constant and as powerful as faith and hope. You know, it's right in this moment after Elijah has won, you know, the victory. And, you know, he could have, over the prophets of Baal, he's, you know, it was a big deal. A big emotional drain. It was a, you know, I don't know how he, whether he felt spent or not, but right after that, in the midst of that drought, Elisha said to King Ahab, go and eat and drink, for there is a sound of heavy rain. Now the sky's still blue, people. He's declaring something prophetic. He's declaring something that only him and God can see. He's declaring something that God is talking about. And I just want to remind you that as a Christian, as a child of God, that you are connected to the King of Kings and there is a prophetic word and call for your life. There is, a, there is a word for your now. There is a word for your three months. There's a word for your legacy, for your grandchildren. There is a word over your life. And we have the advantage as Christians in the world. We are the head and not the tail. And God is speaking. He has got a word. He has got a map for your future. He has got a prophetic voice that is, and, and Elijah, so Elijah's seeing something that no one else does. And, and, he, and Ahab's got like, you know, he's, he represents man. Like, just go eat and drink and like, you know, just go do what you want to do. I'm going up the mountain. I'm going to go up and find out why God said I need to hear a sound because I believe there's something for me to step into it. So, so the Bible says, so Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and he bent down to the ground and he put his face between his knees. Then he said, go and look to the sea to his servant. And he went up and he looked and there was nothing there. And the servant came back and seven times Elijah said, go back. And the seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds and the wind rose and a heavy rain started falling. It's awesome. What Elisha did was create a platform to usher the second wind moment in. And I want to give you two very simple things today to prepare for your second uh, wind. And uh, Lance Wallnau, he says this in Doing Business Supernatural in a series I listened to. He said that we need first to get our natural in order so it can be prepared for the super. God desires to place his super on our natural. But we have to prepare our natural. And natural is important. The environment that God wants to touch in our lives has got to be available to God for Him to touch. And I love when Jesus healed a blind man. Now, we remember this story because He got so engaged with the natural in this moment. He spat on the ground. It's gross. <laughs> it's weird. It's so out of... The box, but the Bible says that Jesus spat on the ground and he made mud with his spit. And then he put the mud in this blind man's eyes and then he asked him if he could see. Jesus didn't even pray. 
<laughs> How natural is that? How out of the box is that for Jesus? Read Mark 8.22 if you want to check the story out. But, you know, before that even happened, that natural way to see a supernatural thing released, there were a couple other profound things in the story that led to this guy's healing. The first thing that Jesus did in the natural was that he led him out of a village that was full of unbelief. He led him out of an environment that was oppressive and they were living with a can't-do attitude. And Jesus, he understood that his power was restricted without faith. So Jesus got this guy alone and he took him out of the village, he took him out of his familiar environment and it's in that place that this miracle was realized. You know, if you're an engineer or a mechanic, you'll understand uh, this a bit better than me, but you can place this thing on an engine, or, I don't, or you could screw something in an engine. Anyway, it's called a governor. <laughs> and it's attached to the engine so that the power of the engine can be restricted. And we have one on our motorized go-kart just so that children don't ch kill themselves by crashing into fences at high speeds. Thank you, Popper. <laughs> You know, negativity acts as a governor in the same way on the engine of our faith and our hope and our love. Negativity limits our capacity because negativity, get this, is the absence of hope. Negativity is the manifestation of the absence of hope. You know, lies limit the power of the Word and the Spirit working in our lives. And so if we are in a negative state of mind, in a negative frame of mind, I want to encourage you to limit what you're declaring with your words and to focus in on what God is speaking to you. Maybe it's a negativity fast. Maybe someone here today needs to do a 40-day negativity fast. <laughs> And allow the God of all hope. You see, God's environment is not a negative space. It's a space of optimism, hope, love. Like he is a dreamer. He's an imagineer. He wants to create new designs and that actually flow through our lives into the world around us. And we need to unplug from the negativity so that we can plug in to the way he is speaking over our lives. We can have great theology, you know, but a head full of negativity. And that's going to restrict the engagement we have with greater power. So Jesus shifted this man out of a town that was stuck with an unbelieving spirit so that he could take unbelieving limits off him, so he could receive the miracle power of heaven. If you are hungry to catch the second wind, what's your natural response going to be because something in the natural needs to shift when Elijah had this drought ending moment he separated himself from the cloud uh, from the crowd and he climbed the mountain so he could pray and prepare the natural for the supernatural he didn't chill out with everyone down the bottom have a cup of tea with Ahab just stand around and 
and rest and wait for Jesus just to bring the supernatural rain. Rest is, it's powerful, it's good. But at this time, in this posture of breakthrough, he needed to climb a mountain. And the Bible says that he put his face between his knees. And this is an uncomfortable position of prayer and surrender. And they say that this Hebrew position this of prayer is actually also a birthing position. And I've witnessed a few births. I've never seen that one before. But I want to just put out there today that we're not going to we're not going to usher in our second wind. We're not going to usher in God's presence and birth new life and end a season of suffering if we aren't willing to climb a mountain and get ourselves into an uncomfortable position and pray. You know, prayer is uncomfortable. Prayer forces us into isolation and away from distractions. And we are the generation that lives from distraction to distraction to distraction. You know, just give me something more to comfort my soul. Another distraction, but prayer says, no, come away with me and realize your breakthrough. The goal of prayer is to birth new life and to end Suffering in Romans 8, verse 20 from the Passion Translation, it says, For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. The universe is suffering because of sin, but now with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery of decay and to experience with us this wonderful freedom coming to God's creation. Our prayers are catalysts for transformation, for creation's transformation. If Elijah's prayers can end a drought, what can your prayers achieve? He was an Old Testament man under an old covenant, a lesser covenant. We need to be a church that prays. Hashtag prayer meeting tonight at 6 o'clock. Come here if you care. Ooh. (laughs) It just rhymed. I had to flow with it. When Aisha was two and a half years old, she broke her arm. And we ended up at Christchurch Hospital. When uh, she was being x-rayed, the nurse, uh, they told us about the break and the, you know, just the details. And I started, I have to admit, just to get a little lightheaded at this time. You know when you're talking in a hospital and you're talking about blood and needles and broken bones. And I just remember just stepping backwards and leaning against the wall. And I just remember just sliding down the wall. <laughs> just sitting against the wall. And, and the nurse disappeared out of the room And then she came back into the room with a red lollipop. Not for Aisha, for me. I think Aisha had an orange one. It's the details. And then there was some more communication about what was to happen. And then the nurse left the room again. And then she came back in with a wheelchair. And the wheelchair wasn't for Aisha. The wheelchair was for me. 
And I never forget this moment, being wheeled by an orderly in the wheelchair with my red lollipop, <laughs> watching Debbie in front with a baby Brie on her hip and Aisha walking along happily with a broken arm <laughs> and feeling like I am a glorious father. <laughs> Such a strong man. He is my husband. <laughs> and you could say that I was overly sensitive, but I like to think as a father, what triggered the response was that I was feeling the burden of her pain. You know, the burdens that we carry through life are really the symptoms of what we love the most and where our heart is drawn. And Elijah's burden, his priority, it wasn't about his status, it was about his people, it was about his region, and he, he engaged with this burden. He climbed a mountain by himself. He put his head between his knees. And he relentlessly prayed for the drought to break. He didn't blame global warming. He did his part in relieving the pain of this region. And I believe my second thought today in receiving our second wind from heaven, it, it requires from us a surrender to God's big picture. Surrender to God means that we are firstly a part of his big plan, not a, he's not a part of ours. Surrender is a confrontational word because it, it confronts us with the lordship of God over our lives. He has got such an important part for every one of us to play in our community to relieve the burden that this region is under and that this nation is under. Jesus said, pray on earth as it is in heaven. He's calling us to align our priorities with Him so that our priorities motivate us and keep us focused with the synergy of heaven so that we can see heaven come to earth to align ourselves with what the Father really cares about in our world. And I believe that is a secret, not the secret, but a secret to answered prayer, to be praying about the things that he cares deeply about. And, but it was seven times that Elisha had to say to his servant, go back and look for a cloud. You know, this is a good idea. This is a God idea. Yet Elisha still had to contend for the breakthrough. He still had to go and get into a posture of prayer. And then the seventh time the servant reported, you know, a cloud the size of a man hand, it's coming from the sea. And I love Hebrews 10. It says, you know, we're not like those who shrink back and are destroyed. We are like those who believe and are saved. And I want to encourage you in the middle of your issues, in the middle of your circumstances and challenges, to never give up on your hope and your belief and your love for the cause of Christ. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. 
Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media 